Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 27 of Talking Ozpol. Uh, Logan Berry and myself today are joined by Douglas. Are uh, you there, Douglas? Hello, How are you? Good. Yeah, travel, traveling all right. What have you been up to? Yeah, not much. Not much, but yeah, been good. Oh, and I um, I got the my headset came in time, so there won't be any technical issues. Hopefully, thanks to the good people at Australia Post. Oh, what? Well, look, that's good. Good news. I was going to um, uh, where are we? Yes, I was going was going to point out that we might have a couple of issues there, but you've got it you've got it sorted as uh, as yep, I would ex- would have expected. So that's that's great. So you're coming in loud and clear. How about you, Barry? Are you uh, there with us? Yep, I am. Assuming you can in fact hear me, I should be here. Yes. Yep. Well, everybody's here. Let's let's go. Let's get stuck. Let's get stuck into it. Uh, good morning. I'm Ardit, and welcome to Talking Ozpol, the official podcast of the Australian Politics subreddit. It's the 29th of January, 2023, and today, Barry and I are joined by Douglas. Uh, what have you been up to this week, uh, Barry? Um, I have been, uh, I've been in, um, down in Wollongong a lot. I've been doing a lot of... Uh... Huh partying and, and clubbing and drinking and having fun and i've just come home today <laughs> and find found my phone broken um so i've had a i've had a fantastic week with a terrible end um but i'm awake i'm ready to go and i'm excited to talk about some politics what have you been up to Ardeep? Oh, excellent. I've been uh, out in the garden again, unsur- unsurprisingly, and doing a chip- chipping up some some wood. We had a few branches we had to take down, so yeah, the the chipper was getting a a good workout, and a few ferry few branches back and forth on the ride on mower, and then uh, just had a couple of mates over the other day and did a cook cook up some roast chicken and veggies and that. So all very all very cruisy. So yeah, that's that's oh. been good. Yeah, well, that sounds lovely. Missing missing my invite though. Missing my invite, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe another time. Let's see. When you get down this this way, you might have to give me a yell. Uh, we've got a lot of topics today, and uh, if we don't get through them all, we'll likely talk about them on next week's show. Our first topic of the day is Australia Day: the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll then be talking about uh, Albanese's diary and government secrecy. Uh, South Australia set to get the first nation's voice to get the first nation's voice to Parliament by the end of the year. Uh, Australia may get right to be forgotten privacy laws. New South Wales Libs still needing to pick 36 candidates. And does tough on crime work for youth justice? So look, there's a few, uh, quite a few topics there. We might start off first off with our guest today, Douglas, on Australia Day, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Give us a bit of a, a rundown, your opinion, uh, anything that's sticking out in particular to you. Look, um, so I assume this is about the sort of change the date debate. Um, and my my yep. view is really that I wouldn't be uh, upset if they changed the date. But the question is what you would change the date too and obviously uh federation january one isn't exactly appropriate uh because it's already a public holiday um and otherwise in our sort of the annals of australian history there's not really a date that you can pick that's sort of um uncontroversial uh Mm. for one person or another but as far as australia day goes if people want to use Australia Day to point to uh, how colonialism has had an effect, a uh, negative effect on Aboriginal people's lives, then that's fine by me. And if people want to use it as a day off to get pissed and wear our flag as a cape, that's fine by me as well. Huh. Um, and in the end, I think it's just a, it's more of a, a symbolic debate than the voice Uh well, regardless of what you think about the voice, it may have some practical uh, applications, whereas changing the date, it's just a, well, it's a public holiday. So whether it's one day or another isn't that important, I think. 
Yeah, look, the the voice has certainly been uh, has certainly been tied into it. It feels like uh, Australia Day has, and I, un, understandably, uh, given the nature of the, uh, the the referendum, the debate on the uh, the, the voice. But I feel as though, in addition to the the, the date change, the la- there's also the labelling of it as uh, in, Invasion Day, and also what it means to a number of of people. So look, you, you're certainly correct about the the date being one aspect. Uh, I feel like there has been a number of different uh, issues attached to it, though. Would do, do you think? Um, yeah, I think the. Yeah, the invasion day. There were those protests, which were, I think the sort of movement against it each year sort of grows louder and louder. And whether anything will actually happen, I don't know, but there does seem to be a, a trend against it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, look, I agree. What about what about you, Barry? How are you how are you seeing it and how are you seeing related issues? Yeah, it's it's been really interesting this year. It was one of the first years that I just didn't have anything planned um, for Australia Day. I just it just wasn't even in my mind. Um, the trend is certainly growing. I think. I mean, if you don't think that Australia Day will be moved in the next ten years, I'd say you're dreaming. And I, I would might even put it in five. Um, mm-hmm. It it will be moved at some point. I think it's it, it, you know we say um, politics is downward from culture. Culture is certainly. Um, changing and yeah for, for me it was weird this year I, I i wanted to celebrate it and i i did celebrate it to a certain degree but it, mm-hmm. it's kind of it's interesting because more and more i see people not celebrating it um or protesting against it uh, i see most people just wanting a day off and i think uh that will be the most important thing as douglas said there isn't a day to move it to is probably the biggest issue for the campaign against it or the campaign to change the day. Um, Federation day would be great. Uh, can't do it. It's January 1st. No one wants that. You know, everyone wants it vaguely where it's placed at the moment, preferably it'd be great yep. for a long weekend. You could do an arbitrary move and just say the last Friday of, um, of January. If, if oh, you so rather to... than rather than actual date, just yeah. give it a, a point in top. Be- oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so you, you could just give because it also is a bit of an arbitrary day. There aren't many countries in the world that just have a national day that is just named Australia Day. I think I can think of, I think there's a Canada Day, and that's about all I can remember. Um, mm. It's also interesting, I had this point out, I mean, I've heard, you know, we've all heard it year after year, the debate around Australia Day, and I feel like I'd been talked to death about um, all the different arguments. But one I heard this year, which was at least interesting to me and and a bit unique to me, was the idea that we are one of the only countries in the world to celebrate our colonisation rather than our independence or any other sort of day. I also find it weird that we kind of celebrate it on the 26th, which of course we've only done since 1994. Before that, I mean, I wasn't alive, but I don't know how how important it was um, prior to 1994. Uh, but each state had a different Australia Day, and going into that for New South Wales, it makes sense, I guess, because that's the landing of the New South Wales colony. Of course, Captain Cook landing on on January 26th, but that doesn't really make it the start of Australia. It, it the day itself feels no. arbitrary, so why not just put it on an arbitrary day? I, I don't particularly understand it. I think it'll get moved very soon. And look, yeah, I did still celebrate it this year. I felt a little guilty, but I'm still patriotic to a certain degree. And I completely understand the people that don't like it and that want to protest against it. But it's a day off and I can get on the piss. What do you want me to do? <laughs> well, look, that's 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 another nuance on it. It's it. I think for a lot of people, the politics of the day just pass them them by. They're not really that concerned about it. Uh, I, I, I suppose there's. I suppose there is another aspect to it, and you said that with you know celebrating the the, the, the national identity. Uh, one of the comments that I, or one, uh, several comments that I knew noticed, were a number of people who uh, yeah, have have migrated to a, Australia in the you know, 
last you know, 20, 50, 30 uh, years, that type of time frame, who look upon that as a way to celebrate the new home that they've moved to. And, you know, look, I found that I found that an interesting an interesting angle that they're it's it's almost like they're separated from the colonialized debate and uh celebrating australia as a as a home and uh a, a place where they want to want to be and i thought look that was that was just another aspect of it i'm not quite sure how it'll get resolved you, you could you're i'm probably with you that i wouldn't bet against it getting getting moved uh However, I don't think it's a question with a simple answer anywhere. I think there's just too many aspects to it. And I tend to think if something's that complicated, it ends up getting left to be debated ad, ad nauseum. I don't think there's going to be a change for a while. I could well be off, off on that. And given what we see within the subreddit, there's certainly a lot of people in favour of moving it. Uh, and a lot of the media in this is pushing that. But I just wonder how complicated it is. And I think at the moment, too, the focus on the uh, the voice is probably going to take away from moving the actual date. And Australia Day is just going to be as a, a focus. Uh, that's that's I suppose that's what I tend to how I tend to view it. Uh, Douglas, yeah, any it, it other questions? So, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say it, it goes to show that we we put meaning onto symbols and, and national days like this. Um, I agree. For a lot of immigrants, it, it's a big day for them to to kind of accept into the land and and into the culture. We we mentioned um, wearing flags as as capes, but I have to say one yeah. of my favorite things I ever see is um, particularly on Australia Day is actually seeing um, hijabs and. Uh, well, hijabs mainly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Australian flag hijabs is one of my favorite things. Sorry, I, that sounded weird. I just said I like seeing hijabs, but Australian flag yeah. hijabs yeah. Um, and stuff in, inside of like Western Sydney and stuff, celebrating the culture in their in their own unique way, and it's it's really cool to see. And it it will be interesting going forward. I I would like an Australia Day, and I think the people pushing for abolish Australia Day again. I often say I understand the motivation, um, but. I think if people start conflating abolish Australia Day and move the date, you're not going to get. It, it'll be detrimental to the move of the date. People don't want it abolished. No one, no one's going to win a debate where you're telling me you're going to get rid of a public holiday. It's not happening. Um, yeah. So it's going to be really interesting going forward. I, I, I'm a bit more optimistic about it changing, um, but it's, it's a really, yeah, it's an interesting argument to be had, and I think it's going to be had every single year again and again. Yeah, look, I, I think so too. Do you, uh, Douglas, do you think it will be uh, abolished or just moved? Um, well, I'd probably agree with you, RD, that it's probably going to be a while until anything actually happens on that, um, just because there's, frankly, more important things to be doing. Um, but I did, I just thought of the idea of perhaps you could because apparently, like you said, Logan, apparently they um, previously did it by state. And I was thinking perhaps we could do that again. But if we did that, like, perhaps based on when the state was founded, perhaps that's too colonial again. So mm. um, I don't know. Dates to consider, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, look, that, that's that's true. Uh, we had the uh, comment in the... Uh, the the chat the comment area from a cert of lemon no pride in genocide change the date certainly a, a, a sentiment we've heard a lot of and just a g'day to cool trash 5172 gengara uh, mate and uh oh it's cool trash again so just want to say hello to that before we make a bit of a a move on to our next next topic uh unless there's something that either do you two want to talk about with uh, a bit more with Australia Day? I think um, I think every year we're we're all a bit sick of it, <laughs> and we all know <laughs> it's coming and it's it's here again. The day's done, so hopefully we can wait until a few months out from next year <laughs> to talk about it again. Ah, fair enough. All right, look, our next topic is Albanese's diary and government uh, secrecy. Look. Arguably, it's partially for gotcha value, 
but there is a sub a solid argument for the uh, the public interest aspect of Albanese's diary. Uh, politicians do work for us, and in my opinion, we're entitled to see what they have and haven't been doing. And whilst uh, Albanese's diary is the focus here, to me, what it underscores is the lack of transparency again. Uh, now, my observation is that Labor seem to be doing a bit better job on transparency, uh, but given how they've voted in the past with, with Liberal and both of them have been in lockstep for greater executive secrecy and greater um, uh, powers for, for government, I'm not surprised to see that they haven't gone the whole hog on transparency. And for me, the problem with lack of transparency is that it breeds corruption. This isn't a good sign for me. It may well be a bit of a, a, a pushback, a bit of a, yeah, a little bit of a power play on Albanese's behalf. But at the moment, I don't think this looks good. Uh, so look, we'll reverse it this time. Start off with you, uh, Barry. What do you think about this situation with the diary and um, other comments on government secrecy? Yeah, so, I mean, I think you're right. It is a bit of a gotcha. Um, it's it's a political move, but then again, all moves in politics are political yeah. moves. So I, I think it's still an important story to talk about. Um, sure, it's a bit hypocritical coming from Labor. I'm, I'm on the side. I agree that this should be made um, public. And in a lot of the articles I was reading around this, they were talking about how other leaders in the world, um, you know, the president, the prime minister of England, prime minister of New Zealand, they all also release their diaries. Um, very famously, I think the White House has a running website that will track every single person that um, the president meets with on a daily oh. basis. Um, yep. So I'd, I'd say it's hypocritical for Labor. I think it's also a bit, bit rich coming from the Liberals. Um, we had Simon Birmingham commenting on it. I was reading him uh, talking in a Crikey article earlier this morning. But it's also important to note that this is quite a wide range of people coming in and piling on to to Albo about this point. I think, as you said, they probably rightly should. Uh, we should know what's going on. We should know what's in the Prime Minister's diary. It's not that, you know, they're not telling us where he's going to be at every point of the day in the future where it's a security concern. This is past stuff. And as long as they keep out anything national security-wise, as they should, um, although I know, of course, we always have uh, different opinions on on what may count as national security, the populace oh, yep. and the government, yeah. um, as, as our date well, well likes. Um, but I, I think it's important, as I said, it's important to understand that this is coming from a broad range. We had, of course, Rex, Pat Rex Patrick, the uh, former independent senator, I believe former, right? He did get voted out. I'm no such former. Uh, uh, but then we also I had uh, so, yeah. some... Yeah, yeah. And then we also had Zali Stegulf, uh, the independent MP for Warringah. Um, we've also had the Greens come out and say, I believe uh, David Shoebridge in particular, came out and say that they will look at um, going through the Senate to access this diary. And then, of course, we've had the Liberals as well, um, in particular some Birmingham, as I've, as I've mentioned. He should have done it. I think this is a bit of a misstep from Labor. Um, yep. The the debate around the pricing for it. I don't think that's a big point. There was a lot of talk, oh, it's going to cost $1,300. I think that's just admin fee. I, I don't think that's important. Like, you know, I, we'd all be a bit annoyed if every time an FOI request got processed that the taxpayer dollars got used to do it for any sort of reason. Um, yep. So I don't I don't see that part of the debate. But the general debate, I, I tend to agree with you, date. Yeah, look, uh, I, by... Yeah, we're seeing it the same way there. I think this has potential to uh, get a bit bigger depending on how it's played. How are you seeing this, Douglas? Look, doesn't Albo already post everything he does on social media anyway? Um, <laughs> yeah. Reminds me of uh, that bloke who was in before him, in fact. But um, yeah, well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, in an uh, AFR article... Uh, his office said, quote, releasing the diary extract would unreasonably divert staff resources and unreasonably interfere with Mr. Albanese's job, unquote, which is just nonsense, really. Yeah. It'll probably take, what, maybe one staffer a day to do that. Um, so, yep. yeah, as Logan said, just redact all the national security stuff and put it out. But, you know, this is doing politics differently, I suppose, so... 
Yeah, look, I think the national security aspect is a, a fair enough aspect that uh, most people could uh, agree on. Uh, look, now, if it if it turned out that everything was redacted or, you know, too much was redacted, as you often see in those documents that years later revealed to have just redacted the embarrassing parts, that would be a different matter. But if you if you saw his diary and you thought, oh, fair enough, there's one or two things that uh, can't be talked about, I don't think every, I don't think people would have a problem with that. And I think this thing with the cost, they they're playing they're they're playing into it as well. Look, for every uh, uh, week, it's going to cost one thousand three hundred and forty-four dollars. I think that's dis disingenuous. There was a, uh, I think it might have might have even been that same uh, AFR article by Ronald Mizen. Uh, I'm happy to be corrected on that, but. This bit I particularly love. The uh, PMO purports the processing FOI requests for 29 diary weeks uh, in a weekly view, one page per week, devotes too many official resources to one person, as you said. So this was the suggestion by Rhett's, Rhett's Patrick. So let's have 29 people ask for one week each, he said. By close of business uh, Thursday, he'd secured the support of those. I did like that as an approach. So let's just use the system as it, it it is and sure i'm only requesting one and someone else is only requesting one because you then ruin that uh that argument that it's it's someone someone just sort of wasting resources so i that that just tickled me but i think let's face it if you're going to if you're going to essentially scan one week you can scan 29 weeks and even if they double the fee to you know 1600 uh yeah, 2,688 to my maths there, it's still doable. So I, it sounds as though we're all pretty much in agreement on that. Uh, segwaying slightly the things that people aren't in agreement on, we do a little bit of a, a callback to what we mentioned in Australia Day, but that is South Australia uh, set to get the first nation, the First Nations voice to Parliament by the end of the year. This was particularly interesting to me because it's going to, whether it's intentional or not, it's going to actually frame this issue in a particular way. Whoever goes first and explains it gets to frame it. So I think this is uh, particularly particularly important what South Australia is doing. I'll just read from the uh, article in... Didn't note it down. Oh, yeah, Evelyn Manfield on ABC NetAU. By the end of the year, South Australia is set to be the first state to have a First Nations voice to Parliament. Aboriginal Affairs Minister and Attorney General Kaya Mayer from Labor said he planned to introduce legislation for the First Nations voice early next month after it gained the support of the Greens. Under the legislation, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people enrolled to vote will be able to elect a group of people from their geographical area, half of them men and half of them women. Overall, 40 people would be elected, and then 12 of those would form a statewide voice that could speak on any bill before Parliament. Voice members would also be able to attend two cabinet meetings a year, meet with the state uh, government department chief executives, and ask ministers about spending policies and what they are doing for the Aboriginal, for, are doing for Indigenous people. That's what I mean by framing a potential structure. We'll see how that goes, but uh, I think that's an interesting start. What What do you think about that, Douglas? I think I think it's a well, it's a good thing that they're getting a move on with that. Um, I, I the only thing I'd want them to do is to get it done faster so that we could see how it actually works in operation, um, in mm. in practice, uh, so that we can make a more informed decision on the, uh, the actual, the federal voice. Um, cause the problem, ah, yeah, I think yeah. I, I'm not one to agree with Peter Dutton, but uh, <laughs> to say, to say that there's no detail for the voice, it's not true, but there's no easily consumable way for p irregular people who don't want to read the, you know, 200 page, whatever statement about the voice. There's no sort of, well, at least I haven't come upon it, some sort of 
simple but not sort of one sentence explanation of what the voice is and how it's going to work. I mean, I understand that it's a advisory body and it has no real power and Lydia Thorpe hates it, but mm-hmm. um, the I it just it, it still seems quite sort of uh, abstract rather than if if it was in front of me and I saw it working and I saw it uh, you know operating and achieving good outcomes then I'd say, oh, well, yeah, the South Australia one's working. We'll give us a federal one then. Good on them. Mm. But currently, uh, I'm I'm still confused, personally. Look, I agree with you on that. Uh, we This had come up, uh, I think it was a couple of episodes back of Talking Ozpol, and uh, the comment that I had raised was that the messing, messaging is not particularly clear. I, I'm completely with you on that and i like you understand there's a 200 odd page document i haven't read that uh i haven't also haven't seen a great uh or a convincing summary of it i have seen attempts of it so i do get the gist of it having not read it i will underscore that but the message is the message is not great um how are you how are you seeing it barry yeah, I, I tend to agree that the messaging is is not being great. I think as all of us here talking and, and I'd say most people listening, we are politically engaged people. And if we don't even, or I, I have the gist of it, I'd say as well, I, I, obviously there are no specific specifics. I haven't read the document either. I'm not going to read a 200-page document. Um, but if, if we only have the gist of it, then perhaps more politically apathetic people uh, really must have no clue what's going on. Um, I want to point back to Douglas' point that that seeing this working would have been great for the referendum, but this likely will be late in the year before it's even introduced, and we're not going to see any effects of it for years down the line. Um, and the referendum, of course, should be, as Albo's mentioned, halfway through this year. So mm-hmm. while I think this is finally some good news for the pro-voice campaign after some shocking weeks, which we have talked about recently, particularly with Lydia Thorpe and the Black Greens and then pushback from Peter Dutton and general confusion. Uh, The pro-voice campaign has had some shocking last weeks. Uh, This is good. This is very good for them. Um, Combined as well, I want to mention with the Teals. Now, um, I'm I'm saying launching, but it was just some comments from a few Teal members um, that they're going to have a friendly uh, campaign or friendly competition to yeah. see who gets the highest votes, which I think that is a, a fun bit thing. Bizarre, I think wasn't that, it? I, I, I oh, think it's I a fun it. thing. Yeah, I think it's a bit weird. I I, I can understand that um, maybe it's not their place, even as the members, to uh, try and get their electorate to vote on it, although maybe it is. I don't know. It's a bit of a weird thing. Uh, but I thought it was fun. And, and you know, if they're, they're allowed to campaign for the boys. And if that's how they want to do it, I, I thought, yeah, that makes sense. Um, could I um, could I cut yeah, in? Yeah, interject, uh, please. I've just, re- I've just been reminded of a, a comment by the insane voice of... Um, <laughs> he was saying about the, the Teals and saying... You know, they they probably say things like, "Oh, I saw an Aboriginal person in a in the limousine on the way to the theatre," and <laughs> that sort of that that disconnect between um these teal these well off teal electorates and yeah, the battler the battler Australia electorates. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. You know, of thing. course, the teals are famously from affluent um, electorates, but I think for the pro voice campaign, it is quite good that they have the support of the more conservative teals um, to a certain degree. As for the actual voice itself, not talking about its federal um, repercussions. Um, interestingly, this of course got passed with the help of the Greens. Uh, the SA, uh, SA Labor mm. needed the help of the Greens in the Legislative Council. Um, so hopefully the federal greens as a pro vaguely pro voice person myself, hopefully the federal greens can take that and, uh, (laughs) apply it to themselves, um, of getting behind the voice. My only concern was that this was legislated into the constitution. There was no referendum for this. There was no state referendum for this, um, because the South Australian constitution does not require a referendum for it to change. So, 
if it can if it's legislated in i have to imagine it can be legislated out and the whole point of the actual voice referendum is that we want something in the constitution that cannot be changed without a um another referendum to take it out because of course we've had advisory bodies before and the idea behind the voice is that when particularly conservative governments get into power um aboriginal uh, campaigners and, and first nations representatives um feel that they you know um cut funding and remove power from these advisory committees so the whole point is that it's going in the constitution so that it's in the constitution and they can't yep. change that legislatively yeah look i think that's i think that's a, a, a reasonable I, I think that's a reasonable point. Uh, we've got a comment here from Surprise Jeffo. Jeffo, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, uh, starting off, bullshit. <laughs> it's only abstract because Howard destroyed ATSIC and didn't want to replace it. There is a lack of messaging. However, there are great fact sheets available. The From the Heart campaign launches at the end of February. Uh, not going to read a 200-page document? Don't call yourself politically astute. General confusion is good. It's not like Thomas Mayer crisscrossed the country with the statement from the heart. The only people that are having trouble are the media class. Australians intuitively know a voice will help with poll after poll suggesting majority support. So thank you for that, Jeffo. I do get your... Look, that's a reasonable point on the... Reasonable point. It's a good point on the the fact sheets being available. I'm not going to apologise for not reading a 200-page document. I think there's plenty of documents that uh, we don't have to read to get some under to get some understanding. Uh, but that is a good point on the the fact sheets. Uh, now, somebody's probably also going to call me out on that sometime in the future. So time stamp this and take note if you want. If we ever have a conversation in the future where I say politicians need to read legislation before voting on it feel free to come back here and quote me and we'll take that up we'll take that issue up then but uh in keeping with what jeffo uh said there and what we were just saying that portion of the article from evelyn manfield uh on abc in those last three paragraphs to me, that's the type of thing that I think is missing. And look, I did read it, but I want to read it again just to put in context. Under the legislation, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people enrolled to vote will be able to elect a group of people from their geographical area, half of them men and half of them women. Overall, 40 people would be elected, and then 12 of those would form a statewide voice that could speak on any bill before Parliament. Voice members would also be able to attend two cabinet meetings a year, meet with state government department chief executives and ask ministers about spending policies and what they are doing for Indigenous people. That, to me, is a satisfying summary of the intended structure. If I, and I can possibly hear surprise Jeffo screaming saying it's on a fact sheet, so I will go and check up with that Jeffo, but that's the type of thing I want to see reported because that, to me, gives a, a reasonable framework and expectation. Do you think that's reasonable to, to, to say, Douglas? Yeah, I think that's fair enough. The, just on another point, the thing I, I think about the, the sort of nebulousness of the voice is that in that void of clarity, there, there's, you know, good space for misinformation to sprout um mm. and it doesn't help that you know things like malcolm turnbull has ref once referred to it as a a third chamber and yeah. these sorts of things uh purporting it to be stronger than it actually is um are just going to sort of scare people off i think yeah look i i i tend to i tend yeah. to agree with you on that, you want to say something, Barry? Yeah, I, I did. Uh, just going back to to Jeffo's comment, um, I, I I kind of want to, uh, I guess, rephrase um, what I when I talked about the messaging. I do agree. I mean, of course there are fact sheets. Um, of course there are fact sheets. I was more talking about uh, the media classes he mentioned. I think while it's not the job of the media, of course, to campaign for the voice, 
I don't, it is their job to inform us about it. And I think there has been some failure there. But I also think there's been some failure from um, Albanese and stuff talking about it and getting a quite clear fact sheet. Of course, there are <laughs> fact sheets. Um, as for the 200 page document, I disagree and I agree with you, Ardeet. I don't think we need to read it, um, particularly because that is just the suggested model. I think one of the main issues for the Pro Voice campaign that they have to overcome is the fact that people want to go into this referendum knowing what it's going to look like exactly, but that's impossible because the referendum just calls for the institution to be created. There is no way possible for Labor to tell us exactly what it's going to look like. They could at most give us a draft bill, which they probably should, mm. but after that, after the referendum pass and they then, or if the referendum pass and then, then they go to legislate it, they can't guarantee that everything they want to legislate is going to be in there. It's democracy. They've got to go through the Senate. They've got to go through the House of Reps and there will be changes made yep. to that document. So that's one of the big issues is that it's annoying that they can't tell us what exactly it's going to be because they don't know. Um, I also think that one of the biggest misinformation um, issues going into this that Douglas explained is I think people assume this is going to have a lot more power than it does and that it will. Mm. Um, I, I don't actually think it's going to have all that much power. Um, that doesn't mean it, it won't have a good effect and, and a large effect, but in terms of actual um, substantive power that you can see and that is in law, I doubt the legislation will have that much. But again, I can't tell you because we won't know until it is legislated and goes through the process that every other bill has to go through. It's yeah. legislated. S say again. If it's legislated, not oh, when. If, yes, 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 sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yes, that's, yes that's, I, that's I kept saying thing. it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, just got a little bit of a reply here from, or a ponder again from Jeffo. I wonder why the voice exists. Could it be perchance that Labor Party wishes to embark on a kind of statecraft that isn't overly paternalistic and determines the whole structure before First Nations can get a dialogue in? So, look, if you can uh, engage with Jeffo in the, the comments on that if you, you like, uh, I think that's a, I think it's good to explore multiple uh, ways to view something, particularly something like this that is uh, is complex. But we've got a comment here from Benelong, and I love this as an idea personally. I'd be interested to hear what you two say. But uh, aside from tying in nicely with what we've talked about, I think I think it's as, it's as good an idea as any, and I quite like it. The suggestion from Benelong is perhaps we could have Australia Day on the day that the voice comes into effect. I happen to like that. What do you think, Douglas? Um, well, <laughs> I just want to say once again, if it comes into effect, but um, oh, yeah, 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 no, fair that, enough. Yep. That's a, that's a, it's a, it's an idea. Yeah. Uh, it sort of seems like, uh, well, the voice is just one apparatus. Um, hmm. You know, there's, it's not, I'm not sure that it's going to be the sort of, um, oh, this will solve all the, you know, this will solve Aboriginal affairs forever. Sure. Uh, that that would make it worthy of, you know, becoming our national day as well. Yeah, yeah. It could be a symbolic uh, symbolism of uh, a significant step in, in unity, particularly if it comes in and we do see the appropriate constitutional changes. What about you, Barry? Does that idea appeal to you at all? Um, I'll, I'll be honest, no. Um, yep, first question is if it comes in. Um, second question is when it goes into effect. Um, but yeah, see, the day that it comes into effect, that's different from the referendum, of course. Um, they'd have to purposely put it in because, let's be honest, I think people will be quite mad if you take Australia Day and move it to the middle of winter. Um, it's going to have to oh, be yeah. late January, okay. early February, sometime around there. Um, people like it where it is. So they would have to purposely do that. As it, as in Australia, I don't think so. Um, okay. I think the voice, if it passes, if it comes into effect, it it's an Indigenous Australian thing. And I think to put Australia on that, on day on that, 
it just feels a bit weird to me i'm open to being convinced um i i think if it should be a day where you celebrate indigenous culture if it was to come in fact because it would be a massive massive change but then of course we we have sorry day we have um nadoc week we have uh, the the other referendum i forget the no i forget what it is the other one the 1967 um referendum to do not 1967 that was a guess um the other <laughs> referendum um yep. sorry i'm going off no, and right i just don't i don't like it <laughs> I, just, I, I didn't have too much information to go off for this so i just i think it's a bit weird if you want to hold it then but also sure it, it doesn't really matter does it it's arbitrary as i was saying but look, that's a that's a reasonable point. On uh, it could actually take away from the significance of the voice. Uh, yeah, look, I think that's a, I think that's an interesting point. Anyway, Ben, I I liked it, but I got to say, Barry, that, what Barry suggested that's a that's a reasonable counter argument. Uh, we had uh, Pumper three five Pumper thirty five also uh, suggesting the Australia Day on the last Friday in January each year, who you had mentioned a little bit uh, earlier on, Barry. You, I don't think you are with us in Pumper. And uh, Darkest Night uh, says, I've always thought Federation is more important than the fleet arrival. We obviously can't have the 1st of January as the date to celebrate. It needs to be in summer or spring. Uh, I think you had made that point earlier on, Douglas. And here again, we've got another one for a, a date. Uh, and DK finishes off saying, "Just make it the first Friday of the first weekend of February." So that's that's interesting to see a little bit of a, a lean to in a couple of comments uh, towards an actual uh, day rather than a, a date. So look, we will definitely be discussing that issue more. But moving from an issue where people publicly want to be remembered. Let's move on to our next topic where people, individuals, want to uh, have their own privacy and right to be forgotten. That's the uh, proposal that Australia may get right to be forgotten privacy laws. Uh, where are we? There was a following a review of the Privacy Act done by the Attorney General's uh, Department. The right to be forgotten and a right to sue for privacy breaches will be considered for the next tranche of Australian legislation, the Attorney-General has said. Personally, I'm a huge favour of this. Now, whilst the bloated bureaucracy of the uh, unelected EU's members tends to sometimes weigh heavily with their, their legislation, this happens to be something that I think is a reasonable uh, cudgel that can be used against not only big tech, uh, but also uh, also governments under the, the terms of human rights. Personally, I like it as a principle. How it goes in a law when you hand stuff over to the bureaucrats is always up to for, for question. But in principle, I'm a big supporter of this. Uh, how's it sit with you, Barry? Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. I'm a massive supporter of this. I think if Labor um, can get it through and do it, I, it will be some good political brownie points for them um, with the electorate, particularly on the offset of the Albanese diary situation we were talking about, because um, it, it does harken back to transparency. Um, the problem with it is that for ordinary people, this law, assuming that it is well implemented, should be okay um you should be able to remove things that have only one place the the problem comes in that there is an exponential downwards curve in how effective it is based on how for lack of a better term viral the information you want removed is yeah. once something goes even semi-viral this law is useless there is no way for these big tech companies they can't do it themselves. The government can't do it. No one can do it. You can't remove that much information titled differently with different yep. tags, with different in different formats from the internet at all. As soon as something goes semi-viral, that's gone. It's there. And you were talking about the EU, where, of course, this law largely originated for, or at least the framework for it, the idea yep. of right to be forgotten. Um very famously, it came because of a lawsuit launched by a man, I believe, in France, um, who wanted 
the Google search results to stop showing that his house had been repossessed. And now the only thing that anyone knows about this man is that his house was repossessed. So as soon as it goes viral, this law loses all effect. But again, for ordinary people in very, I guess I'll call them low interesting scenarios where there isn't much interest in whatever they're trying to remove, this should work and it should be good and it shouldn't be that hard to implement. Yeah, and it certainly gives them a formalised legal framework where if they choose, they can take some some actions. What about you, Douglas? Where are you seeing this? Um, so I was I was going to uh, make the same point that uh, Barry did that if you've got information that has been spread virally, there's nothing you can do to stop it, and so that the law is pointless then. But similarly. If you've got information that nobody cares about, then whether it's up there or not doesn't really matter. So, I mean, obviously, if you don't want it there, um, but nobody cares, then, yeah, it's good that you could be able to take it down. But I I'm, I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but <laughs> I feel as if we are living in a post-privacy world now, um, I don't want to go too deep down a rabbit hole, but the oh, go down, uh, go down a little way, dip, dip, dip your, t- so, dip your toe in. <laughs> so, um, this in 2021, I think I've mentioned this before, but the Surveillance Legislation Amendment, Identify and Disrupt Act, was passed, um, and I won't read out the entire uh, law, but essentially it authorizes uh, the AFP and other law enforcement agencies to. Uh, take control of online accounts to add, edit, or remove data and to also intercept traffic, which, I mean, I assume they probably did that before, but now they've, right. now you know they're doing it and they're allowed to do it. Um, and they can, they can do that to people who they have a reasonable suspicion of committing an offence, but they can also do it to people who communicate with that person. So if you know someone but you don't know that they're a crook, then the government can, you know, hack into you and add and remove whatever they choose to, which um, mm. is, I mean, that's a bit uh, concerning for me. And, of course, both the major parties passed that uh, act that act in uh, 2021. Of course and, they did. <laughs> yep. Good on them for that. And the on the, on the other side, you've got the uh, recent... The various breaches, such as the Optus one, uh, what was the other one? And the the one that Telstra did, where they breached it themselves makes... for some reason. Yeah, and the um, Medicare Medicare one. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, um, Medibank. Sorry. Yes, but so on these two sides, we've got all this. Basically, if people are either on in government or nefarious, you know. Uh, hackers or whatever uh, want access to your information that you've got online, they'll get it. Um, so is there really much that this law can do, even if you try to sort of scrub it from the internet? Uh, well, look, that's that's a fair point. I, su- I suppose that suppose that is the 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 problem in the the, the globalized you know information society that we have. Yeah, look, I suppose what we have seen in the EU is that it has provided some advantages and the advantages seem to have been provided to people who are are typically not um, empowered to do something. I suppose that's why I have a little bit of... uh, a little bit of a bias to towards towards that you know putting all my um opinions to bureaucrats to one side there's i can see that being a a, a positive argument i i'd agree there i think i think you shouldn't have to be a you know liberal member of parliament to be able to sue someone and get information taken down ah, um, yeah. <laughs> you know it should be available to anyone if it's if it's uh, something you don't want to know, but then again, with these things, this sort of only draws more attention to it, like with the um, Peter Dutton and 
Shane Bazzi case, I think that's the bloke's name, um, where he tweeted something about, oh, I forget what he said, but it was something unkind and Peter Dutton had taken him to court. And it yeah. was basically, it expanded the story beyond anything that it would have been otherwise. So, Yeah, well, look, yeah. that's... Yeah. That, that's true. Some uh, Liberal members of Parliament that won't be able to sue that are the 36 candidates who haven't yet been picked. Uh, New South Wales Libs still need to pick 36 candidates is our next topic. Uh, Perite, despite saying that he wouldn't be putting his uh, candidates in this position and the, the party in this position, uh, because he had learned the lesson lesson from the federal election, it appears as though Lex, the lesson hasn't uh, been learned. Now, I didn't didn't get a chance to check this morning to see whether there had actually been some of those thirty six uh, filled. However, that doesn't still doesn't change the fact that uh, there's that that gap there, and I don't think it looks good. I don't think it shows. Uh, particular strength and it's going to feel like in many ways that uh, people who are picked were you know, also Rens or just a token choice or a bit of uh, a desperate choice that may not be the case but to me that's how it uh, it comes over I'll start with you on this one Barry um I just want to wish Chris Menz a happy a uh, happy term as Premier of New South Wales because what ah. the hell yeah. Um, like, geez, Louise, as someone that will be hoping and, and voting for a New South Wales Labor um, election victory, uh, find me someone in the Liberal Party uh, campaign structure to buy a drink because, geez, like, are they trying to throw this? What is what is going on? I think harkening it back to the um, federal election is the most important factor here. Of course, we saw in the federal election not only were candidates brought in late not only were they missing candidates in a lot of um seats uh, not only did we have of course some of scotty's amazing captain picks um <laughs> like and i've gone blank on her name um who versed zali's no zali's take who was the main one um transphobic yeah, Catherine lady Catherine daves um of course our great captain picks um and we saw them get tossed left right and center um, mainly by the Teals, but of course by plenty of Labor MPs as well. Um, I think as we've we've talked about the New South Wales election coming up in the in the last few weeks on on Talking Osbol, and I think I started at I started at like fifty five percent sure that Labor was going to win, and then a few <laughs> weeks ago I went up to seventy, and I'm like I'm way up now. Um, I might go go find my sports bet account, re oh. uh, re download the app, and <laughs> put some money on. Because of course I lost money on the hottest one hundred yesterday on Sportsbet, so I may as well win it on the election instead. Oh, Sportsbet does the hottest one hundred, do they? Well, yes, obviously it's you very just said fun. said so. That's a silly, that's a silly question. So, they <laughs> no, cover, yeah. so, so how do they cover it? Just as a, as a slight a um, slight segue, just out of interest. Yeah, so they have. I think they have like four or five different categories. Of course, you can um, top uh, top song. Of course, who's going to come first? So that's all we yeah. betted on. We betted on a few different ones. In fact, we betted on three of the top five. And Ooh. the one or one of the ones we didn't bet on came first. And it was also the worst one. Say nothing for anyone that listened yesterday. I'm sorry if you enjoy it, but I find it terrible. Flume has much better songs. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so you can bet on what's going to come first, what's going to come in the top 10 songs versus other songs. I think what's going to place higher. You can you can do a whole lot of things. But I mean, it's it's Australia, our date. If we can gamble on it, we're going to. Yeah. Is this a sponsored segment? Yeah, well, no, it's not. I don't, I don't bet. I don't bet regularly. I haven't bet in ages. Don't bet. It's terrible for you. But also, well, yeah. Sorry, that was that was a that was a bit of a, that was a little bit of a segue. I just I didn't know that. I was cu curious. But next, we'll hear in the sports bet bet of the day seat from Douglas. <laughs> What's your? <laughs> Make sure to use code Ozpol for yeah, uh, ten dollars yeah, in bonus bets. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, uh, no code may be expired by time of use. Um, yeah, yeah. But Tell anyway, yes, yes, right. So getting back to it, before we, you know, get taken down by sports bet or whatever. Um, yes, the New South Wales Liberals. Uh, there was another thing with them, which was the upper house ticket, and I believe it was Matt Keane who was organising to have. 
I think it was three women in winnable positions or something like that, or get it so that there was an uh, something like that, and he only got one or two in because like the the factions sort of knocked back that idea, um, and really it just makes New South Wales Labor look like one of those Chinese military parades, which is really something because New South Wales Labor some something else really um but we've got the also in the polling we've seen the relative closeness of the preferred premier rating which uh generally indicates a change of government uh albo and scott morrison were close before may last year and but there's there's other there's things that are uh putting a bit of wind in perite sales uh if Morrison was still prime minister, it would be a game set a match for Perrottet easily because mm. um, that sort of federal drag uh, just makes that it would have made it impossible. I think I feel like he'll still lose, but uh, not as badly had Morrison survived somehow. Um, yeah. But another thing that's playing into his favour is New South Wales Labor's policy platform, which I'm. It just obviously isn't for me. Uh, the recent one that I saw was he wants to spend two and a half million dollars looking into the effects that video games have on young people. So I'm sure I'll be looking into uh, those games like the kids are playing like Doom and Mortal Kombat on their um, <laughs> yeah. the PCs in the 1990s. Very sort, very sort of uh, old-fashioned sort of 90s American policy, which. Yeah, just yeah, that was a bit of me. a a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? I I yeah. couldn't I couldn't quite uh, get what was being seen there. And there's also the there's also the point of view that there's a lot of people of voting age who've come through that yeah those those years of of, of rubbish where you know doom's going to rot your mind, etc. That are now voting age who are going to be looking at something like that and thinking, basically get your hand off it. Hmm. I'm just well, on their the, minds on the defense. Sorry, um, just on the defense. I just wonder: is that because we did talk about this as a topic a few weeks ago? Um, is that looking? Do you know at that sort of quack of violence in video games causes people to murder people? Or um, I'm just wondering if that might be more focused towards loot boxes and gambling, which we did have as a topic um a few weeks ago. Because if it is focus more towards that, uh, I'd be very much more in favour, but I haven't heard about this legislation at all, so I have no clue. I think it was in combination with social media. So that says to me that it's sort of about the um, the psychological effect. I mean, it could be about loot boxes, but um, yeah, social media and video games was the topic of the commission or whatever it was going to look into it. So... Uh, whether it is, I mean, yeah, loot boxes, fair enough to look, look into them. Mm. Um, but yes, it's, well, just not enough detail, I suppose, which is the issue of the day. Well, it does seem to be the issue of the the, the day. Uh, three seats that have been picked, uh, myself, Douglas and Barry, uh, we have enjoyed being with you here today. We've got two passing finally comments. One from Surprise Jeffo. Uh, wouldn't be a Labour right man without hands in the gambling industry with a smiley emoticon. And uh, from Benelong, if we did a hottest 100 Australian politicians, Susan Lay would get my vote, followed by ellipsis. So, look, thanks for those, those parting comments. Uh, Douglas, been great having you on to today. Appreciated uh, your your comments and astute observations as always. Uh, thank you for joining Barry and myself. Great to have you on again, uh, again Barry. Uh, we've got one topic uh, left which we're going to be holding over because that's the does tough on crime work for youth justice because I think that needs uh, needs a bit more a bit more time than what we can give it and I want to treat that fairly. Anyway, that's a fair whack of topics we've got through i want to thank everybody who has joined us to today tuned in and listen ben along jeffo uh darkest night pumper 35 and who that's uh the kiki cooled and 
Cool Trash a 5172 who has been listening to us from Uganda in East Africa. Thank you everyone for joining us. We'll be back here again next Sunday at 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Hope your week goes smoothly and we'll talk to you later. See you guys. See you, Dave. Thank you.